This is The Playbook. As we go into the Money Mondays, as you guys know, there are only three topics here. How do you make money? How do you invest money? And how do you give it away to charity? So since that's exactly what you do, let's walk one by one. How does Dave Meltzer make money? Well, first, it's a self-inventory. I think too many people look outside themselves. See, if you really understand your skills, your knowledge, and your desire, then you can align it with three things. What's doing well today, what's stable today, and what you think is doing well in the future. And so I tell people all the time, let's take the time to learn where your skills, your knowledge, and your desire are. Let's go to the stock market, see what's doing well, easy to find, even easier to find what's stable. You know, if a stock hasn't moved in the last six years, that's a stable industry career or job. And then finally, let's talk about what you think is gonna be doing well in the future. Once we know that, it's timing and risk tolerance, and you gotta take inventory of your own timing and risk tolerance, because you'll never lose if you align what you do with your timing and risk tolerance. You may lose your money, but you'll never lose. Hmm. Love that. We're sitting right now at SoFi Stadium in the parking lot. Why are we here? Well, I made a very risky decision and I took a 10 year lease sight unseen before anything was built. Oh, wow. Uh, Steve Jones, Jerry Jones's son, for years has tried me to get down to the star to get an office there, yep. which is their practice facility. And I said, well, not until you get to LA, man. I'm not living in Frisco, Texas. Right. We got plenty of In N Out burgers here. <laughs> and so he uh, called me one day and he said, guess what? I got your office. I said, where? He said, LA. I said, where? He said, we just legends got the deal for the new stadium. I said, oh, cool. Send me over the details. He goes, well, they're kind of vague. <laughs> I said, oh, but here we have a 10 year lease. You got to trust me. You got to pay a year up front. Wow. And I took a chance, which almost came to bite me in the butt when COVID hit and we right. couldn't get into the office. Right. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. But beyond that, by far, this is one of the best business decisions I've made on so many levels. So Tarzan, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of views on all of your social media. When someone like Dave casually says, I lost $100 million, but I'm going to teach people why. What is something that you want to ask someone that casually lost $100 million? Like, when do you know when to stop losing money? You're always going to lose money, right? So for me, I tell people all the time, look, if you are not making mistakes, then God's made the mistake. You shouldn't be here. So the idea of losing money is it's an investment. I know we're going to get into how do we invest our money. So I'm always looking at mitigation of risk. In other words, needing to know my timing and risk tolerance. The biggest mistake I made, how I lost that much money, is I didn't have a timing and risk tolerance. Let me explain real quickly because you guys know gambling. You know, how many times does someone in crypto, they buy something for 10 cents and it went to $10? And then they sold it $10. That's a, a remarkable return, by the way. For sure. And then it went to $20 and they feel, remember I said, you're going to feel, they feel like they're a loser and they lost. Right. Where if you buy a lottery ticket for two bucks, eight, eight, you know, 8 PM on Saturday that you have a one in a billion chance to make a half a billion. When you lose your $2, you're happy Yeah. because you got exactly what your timing and risk tolerance was. So for me, it was a matter of, not knowing my timing and risk tolerance. And then secondly, this is the biggest lesson I'm gonna tell you today, I promise you, trust and vet. Now, Dan and I have known each other. We went to the same high school. We have been lied to, manipulated, cheated, oversold, back end sold by the best of them. And the reason is we're accountable because we trust people 
The best way you can trust people is to vet the crap out of them. Ask them the hard questions. When they so say something that doesn't seem right, ask them for proof. Talk to people. If I would have trusted and vetted everyone, I'd be far beyond a billionaire today. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love that. What keeps you busy now? What is Dave up to? Well, first, busy is a bad word in my dictionary. <laughs> right, I like it. <laughs> it means unavailable. Right. I got plenty of friends high on their mom's couch still at 55. Right. They're extremely busy. Never can help me at all. <laughs> me, I'm active. And so for me, what's keeping me most active is this idea that we now have a size, scope and scale of an audience. As our friend here, the real Tarzan knows of hundreds of millions of people. See, one of the blessings I have of being older is in dancing this. I used to beg to get in front of 100 people. Right. Right. And now my team will tell me I don't get to the hundreds of millions. Yeah. They'll tell me, Dave, sorry, the video didn't go well. I said, well, what do you mean? Well, it only had 40,000 views. And in my mind, I'm like, if somebody would pay me to go to Petco, <laughs> yeah. right. fill up the stadium right. to do a five minute video or even a 30 second speech. Yeah. Right? right. Of my best piece of advice. Right. I'm giddy. So, you know, providing content and capturing the right content keeps me busy, modifying it correctly, which is essential amplifying it correctly and then perpetuating. I think one of the areas that I'm blessed as well to have experience in, I don't think enough young people understand the perpetual nature of content, of how it can build on itself and build your essence. So for example, I have a full-time employee. This is one of my secret sauces. All he does seven days a week is go to your events, your events, goes to networking, trade shows. And his whole job is, hey, what do you do? And he listens or not, then he says, what do you like about it? Listens or not, then he says, what don't you like about it? Then he says, hey, would it help you if you met my boss, David Meltzer? Wow. Third of the people say, love that dude, yes. Thir well, not quite a third, maybe a, a 0.3%. And then <laughs> another, another small percentage say, I hate that mofo. And then he gets an opportunity to say, hey, you should meet him now. He's a changed man. He's a lot better than he used to be. Good for me. But the majority of people say, who the F is David Meltzer? Then all he does is use my perpetual content and says, hey, use Instagram. The guy's like, no, Facebook or no TikTok. Here, look, now I have perpetual stories mm -hmm. and oh, I got it. That guy's awesome. Let me meet him. This is where people are falling down today. They don't utilize the perpetual nature. They're so concerned about getting you know one, one video popping. You can store and utilize perpetual data to help you even more than the real time. So there's something that you started doing years ago that I've been obsessed with in my brain and I actually bring it up at speeches often is that when you do introductions, you have an agreement with people and we've all been there before like, Hey, you should meet this person. And then they go off and raise millions of dollars or they go do a six figure deal or a seven figure deal, whatever. And then you get nothing for it. Sometimes that's okay. Cause you're just doing it to introduce people. And other times it's for commerce is what I say. Yeah. If it's for, clearly for commerce, then I should make a percentage. If I'm just doing it for friendly, like, Hey, Tarzan, me, Dave, and you guys go make a pet product go for it. I don't care. But if I said, Hey, put in $5 million into a pet product, then I'm involved. Right? So what is this agreement that you came up with and why do you do it? And how do you do it? Well, it's evolved. It's called an overlap agreement. So Dan and I, especially in our lives, we know so many people and our goal is to have them help each other. Yep. My goal is to build a community of people that want to help each other and know people who can help each other. Well, what I learned was why not create a memorialization, not an agreement? I know I'm a recovering lawyer, but I don't want, I don't want, I don't want binding agreements because that just makes people break promises. But I do like a memorialization that says, oh yeah, you met Dan in San Diego and he has a card 
shop and we're going to, whether it's an email or an actual agreement that we sign, it's just a memorialization to me. And it says, Hey, if you ever run on anyone that can give Dave Meltzer a speaking stage, he's going to give you 20%. Even if we're friends, I I don't care. And if I bring someone to raise $200 million for Dan, he's going to give me a percentage and we're family. But what happens is if you don't memorialize that, especially because technology today is so searchable, I just have full folders by categories so that when I'm in Nashville and somebody needs a dentist, right? Oh, I know a dentist. Right. And look, the guy gives me a $20 Starbucks thing for bringing him a client or he doesn't. And then people ask me, what percentage do you use? I don't care. I'm motivated by number one, who it is, and then two, how much I can make. So if I don't know two people and one person's offering me 20% and the other 10, I'm gonna pick the 20%. Sure. And if the person doesn't pay me, which happens, right? Sometimes people, oh, you bring a business and it's just a memorial. Selective memory. Yeah. Yep. You just get a raise from my overlap agreement. Right. You've just cost yourself far more for future business. So this is probably the most powerful business tool. And it went from six figures a year for me to seven figures and I'm approaching eight figures a year. And sometimes I don't even remember right. that I've referred it. And the people are so honest. I've gotten a $50,000 wire Just out of nowhere, out of nowhere. <laughs> wow. they, and I forgot that I had referred the wow. company and they had raised like $50 million right. and gave me a marketing fee. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So we talked about how Dave makes money. How does Dave Meltzer invest money or how should the people listening invest money? Well, once again, timing and risk tolerance is crucial. So many people, they'll ask me, uh, you know, to invest and I'll ask them, you know, what's the timing and risk tolerance of this deal? If they can't answer it, then I can't tell them and I can't double check it and trust and vet it. So number one key is that timing and risk tolerance to invest. Then I also want to either know it really well myself or know someone that I trust that can tell me about it. So, you know, if I'm investing in Everbowl, I don't know much about franchising, but I have so many people that could help me understand that investment that I would make. Um, I also predetermine, this is different than most people, I predetermine investments every year. So when I go into, and I do charity as well, so I have a certain percentage that goes into conservative investments, meaning no chance of of losing money. Then I have other ones in medium and then... The last one, high risk, high risk, right? (laughs) I'm gambler, but it's a small percentage. But as long as I make a lot, it could be a lot of money in the high risk side. I've had some huge years and then those turn into, you know, big lottery tickets. Well, I get better at doing it uh, as well. So I think understanding, taking your emotions out of investment by predetermining the percentage and knowing your timing and risk tolerance and then being an expert in what you're investing in or finding an expert. Those are statistically the greatest ways. I owned a golf course. I knew nothing about golf course. Someone told me a great piece of advice after I lost all my money. It was worth 120 million, the golf course. Sam Sneed's only design course. As a sports guy, wow. it seemed like a great deal. Yeah. But he looked at me and said, hey, fool. I said, huh? He goes, you know you're supposed to be the third owner of a golf course, not the first. Now, think about how simple that advice is. Nothing's more true. In fact, Dr. J, who also was a first owner of a golf course, which is how we became really close friends because we commiserated together <laughs> with the same mistakes, was told the same piece of advice. Wow. And it rang true. What if I would have asked that guy for help that had developed golf courses and knew from years of dummy tax, nobody wants to be the first owner of a golf course. You want to be the third owner. In other words, buying it out of bankruptcy after idiots like you have built it. <laughs> All right. I got an advice question. 
So influencers and celebrities, musicians, etc., they go through waves of money, right? So let's say Tarzan gets a $50,000 deal, and then February, nothing. Then March, $175,000 deal, and then April, May, maybe kind of quiet. And then boom, he gets a quarter million dollar deal, and then goes quiet again for a month or two. When people have a wave of income, how could they be thinking about investing or saving? Yeah, so two things. One, I think primarily, if you know you have a wave of income, you also can create other streams of income so that you have a steady flow on top of the waves. And I think a lot of people cheat themselves and limit themselves when you have that much talent that you can start looking at other opportunities that will provide you a steady $10,000 a month right. plus the 50 bumps that goes on. Um, but two, in order, savings are really important, right? I mean, it's really not a time I call a dependent variable of all matter, subjective and objective matter. I know that's gonna go over most people's head. I use time to determine how I can feel less guilty. So I might feel guilty, which is an interfering emotion. I have that problem, not just because of my religion. I literally feel guilty. I wanna help everyone but I just try to minimize the amount of time I feel guilty. Therefore, I'm gonna be more productive. Same thing with savings, right? Time, how much am I going to save out of each amount of money I make? Now time becomes the dependent variable because if you make 50 in January and 50 in June, but you save 10% of everything you make, you'll have the same exact saved as someone that made 10,000 every single month. Mm. And so when we save, that provides the ability to transcend the months now i also believe in an unemotional predetermined budget for living expenses right i i believe we expand our money to to what we we think so if i have percentages for a car it's not what kind of car it's just that's how much money this year i'm gonna spend five percent of my income on a car or 0.5 percent whatever you want these all help you and i'm telling you especially now with an economy that's accelerating and changing so quickly and some negative pressures as well. It's never more important to do an inventory of your expenses versus assets, right? We want to minimize the expenses and maximize assets. Question. So you talk about saving. What should someone save? Say someone made 50,000. How much should they save of that? So it depends on number one, their timing and risk tolerance to their age, right? So if I was young, I would say probably like before 18, $100 a month is fine. Right? It's going to act, you know, if you save, but if you give your kid $100 when they're born and $1,000 on each birthday, when they're 18 years old, they'll have $2 million. Your money's going to double, and that's in conserv conservative investment, right? A, a no risk IUL right. annuity, something that is, is market free of any pressure. So, number one, you have to have your own percentage determined upon the investment in yourself. See, people talk about sacrifice. I used to tell people, I sacrificed so much. I went to law school. I borrowed $100,000. You know, all my friends were having fun. No, I didn't. You know, I know guys that slept in their car to build their business. Right. They didn't sacrifice. They invested in themselves. They actually believe in themselves more than anybody else. I'm betting on myself all the time and investing in myself. Savings is an investment in self. It's allowing you to build income at an exponential accelerated rate. Wow. So influencer, six million on Instagram, <laughs> millions on TikTok, et cetera. How does someone like Tarzan determine the price to charge to a brand? Great question. Danny, this is one of my favorite ones in the world because I have simplified this for everyone. The price that we start at with no matter what we're doing, raising money as a, we're influencers, by the way, you know, I hate busy. 
I just got to stop this influence. There's too many influencers out there spreading the flu, spreading disease. <laughs> they're standing in front of shit they don't own. They don't even know what they're talking about. Influencers are people who appreciate, acknowledge, and ask for more. People that are in the flow. You're inspiring people, and you're the real deal. So that's the real Tarzan. <laughs> um, but more importantly, listen to this, everybody. If you know your bottom line going into any opportunity, then you can make up your perceived value as long as you can articulate the perceived value to exceed what you're asking for. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. So, you know, I get paid six figures to speak. Do I get six figures all the time? No. If it's the Boy Scouts of America. Right. And, right. I, so, but I know my bottom line. I know if I'm going to the Boy Scouts of America in Syracuse that they have to pay for my flights, my hotel, right? right? But I don't need $100,000. But when they ask me, how much is it to speak, David? Where I used to do the whole, oh, well, it's a charity. That's dope. I'm 100 grand. Why? Because I can articulate the value. And and how would I articulate that in a charity? Look, if you hire me for 100 grand instead of Mike Tirico, who went to Syracuse, you're already selling the tickets. You're not bringing me on a stage to sell tickets. I'm right. I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not going to sell tickets for you. I will sell a mastermind for 25 grand, those kind. But I'm not going to sell a $200 ticket for you. I'm not that big. But what will I do? If you have me speak, I will inspire those people to give money. So instead of raising $2 million at your event, you're going to raise $4 million at your event. Can you see any reason you won't want to pay me hundred grand to speak at your event? That's my perceived value. Now, if they tell you well, we only have a budget of 50, okay. Because <laughs> right. my bottom line was flights. Right. So know your, your bottom line first and you're set. Be able to articulate your perceived value to exceed what you're asking for, and you will exceed. I've had so many times where I've said 100 grand and they've said yes. Right. Right. I just went to Alula for 122 sports dignitaries during Qatar, the World Cup, and they're like, How much are you? 100 grand. And I didn't say plus expenses, minus expenses, because usually the 100 grand includes the expenses. Right. And then they're like, Oh, yeah, that's cool. Plus expenses. Right. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So I undersold myself again. <laughs> All right. So we talked about how do you make money. We talked about how to invest money. Now let's talk about how does Dave Meltzer give away money and how do you think other people should give away money more effectively? Oh, so you once again, trust and vet when it comes to giving the mm-hmm. same as receiving. You know, so many people... Uh, don't necessarily do with the money that you give what they say. And that could be family members. It could be associates and it could be charities. And we see this all the time. So I just want to reiterate that giving and receiving are one trust and vet when you're giving and receiving. Um, So I always find that that inventory of knowledge, desire and skills are aligned with where I want to give what's important to me. You know, and I'm blessed because I learned this from Lee Steinberg who every athlete had to give back to a charitable purpose or cause that we represented at least. Now, you know, we had a boxer, Chris Ariola, got his butt kicked by Klitschko in the championship fight, but he didn't have shoes when he was a kid. His mom made him put cardboard in them because he couldn't buy new shoes and it, you know, to cover the holes. So I said, dude, why don't you start a charity or give to a shoe charity? Mm-hmm. Right? These are, this is an emotional thing. You want to make sure that you're doing what's important to you. Know what you want personally, experientially, giving and receiving, who you can help and who can help you, and then how best to get that done and then prioritize by what's important to you, right? I have three daughters. I give, you know, chairman of Unstoppable Foundation in Kenya. 
we build villages in Africa. People ask me all the time, well, what about America? I do stuff. I'm chief chancellor of junior achievement in university because entrepreneurship is important to me. I think all entrepreneurs are going to save the world. Mm -hmm. So we have 100 million alumni. I got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, 15 to 25-year-old entrepreneurs. I give a ton of money and time to that cause. But I also have three daughters, and I know the impact that the, that I was able to provide to my daughters. Well, in Africa, right, these girls have to carry water. They can't go to school. Then they marry them to some guy my age for a goat, yeah. right? Then they circumcise the women as well. Like, I was like so just flabbergasted. And so that was a passion of mine. I know I've helped them support your backpack charity mm -hmm. as well. Same exact reason. I do a ton for kids. All the big brother, big sister, boys and girls clubs, because that's important to me. Education's important. That's where I send my money. But I want to reiterate, I trust and vet uh, because I have also been, you know, very loose about my giving and, you know, have put money towards things that I didn't think they were going towards. So do you give more to stuff that you're emotional toward as well, too? Yeah. yeah. So I predetermine emotionally once again every year because my two big charities are Junior Achievement and Unstoppable. Um, so I predetermine whatever I make. That's my tiding. And then I think it's important also, though, to have a discretionary giving fund so that if you got to buy Girl Scout cookies, mm -hmm. sponsor a golf tournament, that you have that money there as well. Too many people get guilted in and put themselves into a poor advantage because they're good people and they can't afford to give what they're giving. You can't give what you don't have. And then all of a sudden they're not able to help anyone and they're asking for help because they overgave because they didn't predetermine percentage wise what they're going to give. See, you make a hundred dollars and 10% goes to charity. You'll be fine. If you make a hundred thousand, you'll be fine. If you make a million, you'll be fine. It has to be percentage, not amount. I like that. Why should brands and entrepreneurs have charity elements to their businesses and their lives? Well, first of all, because it is the flow, right? It, you, you, you have to put your money into the flow. And so if you want to make more money, you got to give more money. If you want to give more money, you got to receive more money. So I think for my own abundant philosophy of a value add world, the minute you live in this uh, zero sum game of giving and receiving, trading and negotiating, people do it all the, the time. You're creating resistance. I live in ease and flow, right? I know I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I'm constantly trying to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. So I think the number one reason that brands, entrepreneurs, should have charitable purposes or causes tied to everything is because you'll receive more and give more. It, it's it's a flow of abundance. You live in a value add world. When you ask people for help, not only are you adding value to that person, but mentally you become a better investment of theirs. And you, it's not about this, you know, marketing. What what do they call it? Angel marketing or the old term in marketing for charitable marketing. Mm -hmm. That's cause marketing. Cause marketing. It's such bullshit. Look, people, they literally buy on emotion for logical reasons. And so if you're authentic in your giving and receiving, people are going to want to purchase or give to you so you can give to others. And they get a benefit of getting, you know, an extra pair of shoes or, you know, whatever else it, it is. Giving and receiving are so amazing. Let me, let me explain why it works with branding. When you give... Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins are released. When you receive, same thing happens. But why it's so big in branding is that those people who witness it, the same effect. So giving and receiving are the most viral of all viruses. 
And so when you witness it, you're actually helping your brand mm -hmm. because you're elevating the frequency of your brand because people are getting an actual biochemical hit by witnessing the purchase and, and sale and giving that's that's done. That's why it's not that, oh, you know, somehow logically they're like, well, or justifying it. It's not. It's energetic and, and it's in a abundant philosophy that allows you to do that. So taking off the charity hat, putting on the marketing hat, got a couple questions there. So why is it that brands don't spend enough money on marketing and why should they consider increasing their marketing budgets in general? <sighs> this guy's loaded with good questions. Huh? <laughs> this, this one's huge today more than ever. I've been teaching this philosophy, but it wasn't nearly as true as it is today. If you don't understand that the marketing dollars, if spent correctly, are an investment, not an expense. Why? Because the world has built itself around niche community. Do you know that Real Tarzan has a niche community? You, you talk about having 100 million views. That sounds like a lot. It is a speck comparative to the people that are actually available to him. So he has a niche community and the more that he serves that community and builds that community today, I will guarantee one thing economically, that tomorrow it'll be more expensive to build your brand and community. Right. And the next day it'll be more expensive to build. It'll be harder, not just more expensive. It'll be more difficult. So if your intent of marketing and branding is to build a community that builds a community, there's nothing more. How do you think Apple's so big? Because Guys like me were sitting on a plane with my IBM ThinkPad waiting for the virus to go down and the idiot next to me with a Mac opened it right up, started working. And I'm like, dude, I wish I was an artist or a teacher. He's right. like, no, we got word and power. I'm like, really? And he sold me on Apple the very first time. And guess what? I've spent millions of dollars. So have you and so yeah. have you on Apple products. For sure. And I've never had one Apple salesperson sell me. Right. They've taken my order, made me wait <laughs> in a freaking line to buy it or go online. I've never had millions of dollars, not like hundreds. of. I've spent millions. That's what building a community is about. You also worked with a lot of brands that sponsor events. Why is that brands should consider sponsoring more events? So for several reasons. One, awareness. Once again, attachment, emotional attachment to the event itself that they have a feeling. Remember what Maya Angelou says. It's what I dictate my speeches on. People don't remember what I say in my speech. I talk fast. I got a lot of highly complex things that I've studied in physics, metaphysics, and quantum physics, but I know they remember how they feel. And so when you go to a Super Bowl event or you go to an elevator event, you feel a certain way and they remember how they feel and they remember the brands that made them feel that way. So it's really important. But I also think that it's a great business development tool. I think one of the expertise that I have is called the bug light approach. In fact, I built one of the biggest global marketing, sports marketing companies with Warren Moon on this approach, which was if you bring the right people, celebrities, athletes, influencers to an event and you give to charity, then all the brands will come. And the business will quantifiably be able to be articulated greater than what the sponsorship is. Why? Because when you bring Warren Moon to event, all the billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs want to come and see Warren Moon. And the brands get to do business with them. Besides the branding, they actually now, you know how much it costs to get in front of a CEO of Sleep Number? Right. Shelly Ibach. 
right? The same thing can be held with a podcast. But events, you have an opportunity to do millions of dollars of business by paying $100,000 to sponsor an event. And once again, people don't articulate quantitative value. There's two things that I teach people to do that change my life and theirs when we talk about this empowerment. One, practice getting people to call you back. 90 some percent of the people never call you back. If I can get, instead of one out of 10 to call you back, teach you to get two out of 10, I've doubled your sales. Boom. And given you more practice, which eventually will triple your, your sales. But the more important one than even getting people to call you back is to practice articulating quantitative value. Articulating, that means to tell the story. Because why? So many entrepreneurs, so many people in events, they just assume that you love what they have as much as you do and you know as much about it that you do. And so they assume that you see the value and then they wonder why you won't do it. It's obvious, it's perfect for them. Yeah, because you haven't been able to articulate the quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for. When I get in front of you and you're giving me a hundred grand to sponsor an event, you're assured that you're gonna make a million dollars beyond all the other subjective bullshit. Last question. For all the listeners that are out there that are fighting through the chaos that we're going to see in 2023, how do you make them feel calm amidst the chaos coming up in 2023? Yeah, the way that we stay calm is to know what we're in control of. You're always in control of three things. You're never in control of tomorrow. I always say, if anyone out there can tell me exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, I know how to make billions of dollars. (laughs) I'll share it with you. I'll give mine to charity. You can keep yours. So what do we look at? One, you have control of your mindset. You give meaning to everything you see. You give meaning to past inflection points, defining moments, historical references. I've seen people interfere with their future because of the Holocaust that their grandparents were in. Why are you doing Give it the meaning to inspire you towards your future like Viktor Frankl. You give meaning, mindset. Two, you have control of how you feel. And all these things are intention. Do, say, think, believe, and feel. Finally, you have control of your handset. Too many people are extra milers. They go the extra mile every once in a while. And then when they're not where they want to be, they justify why they're not where they're at because they went the extra mile six days ago. Mm-hmm. It stayed up till 2 a.m. Right. I'm an empty miler. I go the extra mile every day, every day, every day. And that's what you got to do. Mindset, heart set, hand set. You have control of it. You don't care about what's going on out there because I have complete control of everything in my future with my mindset, heart set, and hand set. Wow. Wow. This man is happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. That's right. Well, help me figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. My potential. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You are listening to Dave Meltzer, my guest podcast host, The Real Tarzan. Keep in mind, we need you to share this, like, comment, share with your friends so we can help inspire more people on how to make money, invest money, and give it away to charity. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Peace.